0: And everyone's getting hyped up, tying up their laces, and, and then it becomes battle time. It's like you've been practicing these moves all week because you're waiting for the next jam, and you're like 10 to 14 years old, and this is your time to shine within the rubble of the Bronx. It's funny because it's at the end of the day, it's only dance, but at that, that time, it was
1: everything for us. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news store? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters. Every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Brought to you by Hackensack Meridian Health. Visit our partner site, NBCNewYork.com slash HealthU to help you on your health journey. Hackensack Meridian Health, life years ahead. So on our podcast, we try to take a closer look at local stories. And when we found out That breaking was being considered for the Olympics in Paris in 2024. You know what? That is a local story for us because it was born right here in the city, in the BX, in the Bronx. And the global ambassador extraordinaire (laughs) is also born and raised in the Bronx, Richard Crazy Legs Cologne. Yes. So we had to call you in, Richard. There's a lot to unpack with this and the history. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think you and I need to give a little 101. But just your immediate reaction when this news was first announced. Put on your dancing shoes. And I really mean it because the newest Olympic competition could be, get ready, a sport that originated right here in New York. It's break dancing, people. What? Yes, organizers of the 2024 Olympics are proposing break dancing for a medal event. You posted on Instagram from the Bronx to the world. Yes. Tell me why. Tell me what you felt when... Uh, when, when you look at the situation...
0: Within the Bronx during the '70s, and economic situation, social situation, lack of programs, lack of education, uh, a lot of uh, uh, dysfunctional families, domestic violence—all these things that breaking was born out of, and also coming out of the civil rights movement. We're basically children of the civil rights movement, you know. Well, children of the pa- you know the, that generation, and for us to have come so far. Um, and, and to be on, on such a world platform, it, it's a testament to our our resilience. Mm. It's also a testament to our
1: creativity and our impact. Well, it's interesting, because you've actually been taking it globally throughout, and we'll yeah. talk a little bit about that, but I thought it was interesting when we heard. Now, the International Olympics Committee is still gonna make the final decision, I guess, right. by December 2020, but it is being considered for Paris 2024. Well, let's take yeah, it back, exactly because right I think one of the reasons we wanted you to come in is that if it ends up on an Olympic stage, that will propel it to an audience even beyond what it has now. Um, and we thought maybe some people could use a refresher, if you will. And New Yorkers mm-hmm. certainly know the origins here, so yeah. let's go back late '70s. A uh. couple of guys form Rock Steady Crew. Yeah, you come along You actually have to kind of. You say fight your way, battle your way battle, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Dancing. Explain that first. We'll take people back to the late '70s. Yeah, Rock Steady Crew in the Bronx. So uh, a guy named um, J- two guys, Jimmy D and Jimmy Lee. They were part of
0: another crew called the Bronx Boys. They wanted to expand beyond graffiti and and form a, a, a breaking crew, uh, and get some of the elite b boys uh, that existed in the scene and. That started in 77. I used to kind of like be a groupie of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and, and I was part of the Bronx Boys. And as they started to grow, I felt like that's the crew I want to be part of. That's the official group for me forever. And uh, in 79, my cousin uh, Lenny and I, we battled against Jimmy D and Jimmy Lee. We lost the battle uh, by a score of three to two, okay. but the thing about Rocksteady and the thing that I still apply to this day is that it isn't just about winning at that moment, but what's your potential? And, you know, what, what is everything about your character? You learn
1: from the defeat. It yes, you
0: Yeah, and I also maintain that kind of like, you know, give the next generation a shot also, even if they're still in development mode.
1: We just need to paint the picture for the uninitiated. New York City, late 70s, the economy is not great. Burn down Bronx, rough. Son of Sam, Right. blackout, the Yankees are winning the World Series. But you have the birth of this movement yes. and dancing, which explained to people it's not breakdancing. That right. went off the rails, it's right. breaking. Really yep. B-boy, B-girl. Quick refresher on that. So, um, this
0: is just something that was born, it's kind of like, you know, something out of nothing situation and the music of the time was so funky had music like James Brown and and, uh, the Commodores and all these groups that were like funk and soul bands that were putting music out and everyone's watching um... um, what is it Uh, Soul Train on Saturdays to get some moves and and people are imitating James Brown dropping into a split and that evolution of that split and imitating those moves of, of Motown eventually led to breaking and also incorporating martial arts and, and capoeira and all these other things. And we just be, create, well, we created and elevated this acrobatic element of this umbrella thing that was eventually going to be called hip
1: hop. Right. Part of a bigger yeah, cultural yeah. experience. Yeah, it was right? just
0: one of the elements of something bigger, but without any kind of organization.
1: And is it true that because you would dance during the breaks between the lyrics, yeah. that, that kind of lent itself to being described as breaking or not the reason
0: why okay so the word B-boy originally meant Bronx boy, okay. and then it turned into break boy. Okay. And, and let me just be fair, it was Bronx boy, Bronx girl. Can't right, okay, for sure. And it turned into break boys, break girls. And and then, uh, you know, as then because of that break part of the record and everyone anticipating, like, all right, well, it's time to get down. The break beats are coming. They're letting us know, B-boys, are you ready? B-girls, are you ready? And everyone's getting hyped up, tying up their laces. And, and then it becomes battle time. It's like you've been practicing these moves all week because you're waiting for the next jam and you're like 10 to 14 years old and this is your time to shine within the rubble of the Bronx so that meant it's funny because it's at the end of the day it's only dance but at that that time it was everything for us because there was no lights on Broadway there was no silver screen for us there was no lane for creativity Uh, within the city you had all your music programs and arts programs cut at that time Mm -hmm. New York was uh, trying to come out of bankruptcy So, this is all we had at birth. Right. Movie comes along
1: wild style. Yep. Um, oh, I think was a flash dance. Flash dance first. Okay, flash dance. First? Yeah, okay. So. Flash dance. 83, Most people don't know of that You are the heavily disguised double for Jennifer Beals.
0: Yeah. We had already done the initial scene. Uh, in pittsburgh and we just happened to be in in los angeles at the time while they were filming the end scene for flash dance and they found out that i was there and they said hey can you come in and teach uh the gymnast and the french girl i forgot their names okay uh how to do this move and i was like all right well it's not that easy easy right so try to teach them the next day they came back with really big bruises and and messed up and they asked me if I would wear a leotard tights and capizios and all these things. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, you know, me just, me from the hood, I'm like yeah. putting my hands up, rubbing, rubbing my fingers, like you better pay me some money. And, and <laughs> but the hardest time I had with everything was shaving my mustache. Cause I'm just like this 17 year old kid mm. and, and I got my peach fuzz and I'm feeling like, you know, I had that Our
1: too. With the same age. I, I, I had it too. And my first boss said, either pencil it in or yeah. shave it off because yeah. it's not working. But anyway, yeah. I digress. So that that was uh, difficult
0: for me, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it paid some bills.
1: So then it moves on, and then for a while there, it seems as if it's fading from the public consciousness yeah. and the marketing world. But not for you, not for Rocksteady at the time, you st- or, or did it?
0: Uh, I would say that that started happening more around '85. We had a record deal. You know, we're hanging out with Richard Branson and right. meeting the Queen. You know, prior to that. Right. But then there's the whole record deal that we had with Virgin Records, which you know we would we. We didn't know what we were doing. Our management didn't know what they, we would, they were doing, and but everyone had our best interests, except the record label. We had a million dollar deal that,
1: and that's not a I story mean,
0: unique to you guys. Many yeah, artists no, and performers exactly. ran into that million dollar deal. We, we saw maybe six or seven thousand dollars each from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, but uh, again, you know, we were just having fun, and we probably really didn't care. Right, right, you know? and, and uh, starts to fade away. We pull back from the scene. Um, A lot of people are blowing up the scene. The music industry is growing based on the tours that we did and the press that we did. And we found ourselves on the outside looking in. Everywhere we were welcome. We were now told to get to the back of the line. And and that was kind of a a situation for me for the the late 80s where I felt like I don't want to deal with anything hip hop. I didn't want to watch music videos, nothing like that. Started working a regular job, you know, temping here and there, went back to school. And then eventually, um, in the late 80s, early 90s, a couple of my friends died, and I felt like, um, now I understand that I can really use hip-hop as a tool to help people. And even I was caught up in certain in things that I shouldn't have been doing at that time. And... Um, I just felt like, you know, enough was enough. There's a, a lot of death around me and I need to find a way to reach children who are on that same path that my friends were on and steer them by giving them art, giving them the opportunity to uh, understand how to throw an, an event at a club, taking them on field trips, making sure that their parents know that I'm trying to do these things and they can't do these things unless their education is on point. Right. So I right. started getting into, th- into things like that. So it was a complete 180, right. and I went from one world to an absolute other world. And ever since then, I told myself, as I had the opportunity
1: to travel again, I'm going to stop and look. And you've done that, and I think those efforts now, you partnered with Red Bull, and I want you to talk yeah. about that effort because perhaps all of that led to the International Olympic Committee taking note, and they think Paris is the right venue for it. Okay,
0: so with. I mean, I'm happy to say that, number one, as a person of color, I'm the absolute first person to be, ever be signed to Red Bull. So I'm proud about that. Okay. And then moreover, po- being Puerto Rican. and right. So I'm always proud about that. And I've been with them for 17 years now. That led to Red Bull signing more athletes based on the Red Bull BC1. Okay. Dancers. What is the Red Bull BC1? Red Bull BC1 is a competition. It's a, a one-on-one competition that's done globally. It's it, it's kind of like the NB, NBA for breaking. Okay. So, uh, you know, that, that led to other people being sponsored by different companies, okay. uh, different beverage companies, sneaker companies, things like that, and, and on a regular basis. So uh, these are uh, relationships that are long-term relationships. And I think because of the analytics and the metrics that exist based on events that are thrown, uh, what happened at, in Buenos Aires with the uh, Youth Olympics. Youth Olympics. Uh, Which had breaking yeah, for the first time, yes. time right? Yeah. Uh, they, it, it's it, The bottom line is that breaking is a young person's thing. The one thing about breaking is that it has that same rebellious nature as uh, reggae and punk rock. So at the end of the day, um, part of breaking is also not selling out. You know, and, and, and kind of being cutting edge each time you, you're going out there. It's fun, it's athletic, it's competitive, it's male and female, and um, it's just good vibes. And I think the most important thing is that it serves as a bridge between so many different communities for people to bond simply off of like, wow, how did you do that move? Can you show me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that leads to like hanging out and eating dinner and, and saying, so what is it like being a Muslim where you are? What is it like being a Christian? What is it like being, you know, whatever your background is? And that leads to people having a better understanding of each other and not getting so caught up in what, how we're steered to believe we're supposed to look at each other because of uh, racial whatever. identity, right. uh, politics, gender, uh, sexual preference, and things like that. So it's, it, a, it, it, it's a nice even playing field just because of respect of ability.
1: What are you evaluated on in, in, in breaking? What
0: I can, alright, so when it comes to the evaluation, I think the, the uh, committee still needs to figure out how to come, come up within the next four years, the best situation possible for people to be uh, judged based on their ability, but without ripping the soul out of the dance. So that's crucial. I think there's going to have to be a lot of cultural sensitivity taken into account, into account and your ability to execute transitions, but most importantly, your dance ability and individuality. It's one of those dance forms that allow you to be you on, based on whatever you're feeling on that day. There is no perfect smile for the perfect dance and all these other things. It's like, all right, how are you feeling at this moment? Interesting, okay. So uh, all those nuances have to be taken into account when you're judging. So that's going to be interesting how yeah. that takes shape then, how, we, how yeah. we
1: win the competitions here. Exactly. It's
0: like watch, you, you watch James Brown and it's yeah. not only right. what you see, it's like what you feel. Getting on the good foot.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Well, listen, before you go, I want you to talk a little bit about your efforts in Puerto Rico because that's a big issue yeah. for us as New Yorkers, mm-hmm. uh, certainly, and those in the diaspora. You've been involved with a couple of efforts there. One yep. shortly after Maria, trying to get yep. clean water to people. Yep. Update that for us and, and a couple other things you're working on. Uh, well, we
0: have been able to give access uh, to about 200,000 people to clean water. Uh, that was a, a partnership between Red Bull, uh, Waves for Water, and myself. We've all, And actually, that has turned into something where just recently we threw the music festival in Puerto Rico, which is about uh, economic development and supporting farming and education. But at the festival, since... I had this knowledge about how to put together a 600-gallon cistern with multiple water filtration systems and then understanding that, you know, you're throwing a festival, there's a lot of plastic bottles. I felt like, wow, I have this new knowledge where I can make sure that I'm not contributing to some sort of ecological disaster over here, Uh, especially having over 10 million more plastic bottles in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Uh, Built the cistern, free water for everyone. Uh, but after that, we put it into the Boys and Girls Club. What's up, everybody? It's Crazy Legs, Rocksteady Crew, Puerto Rocksteady. I am at the Boys and Girls Club in Puerto Rico, where I just showed them how to use uh, the filtration systems that are attached to a 600-gallon system that was donated to them after Puerto Rocksteady so that it becomes a safe place during uh, a disaster or crisis situation, and it. We'll serve 1,000 kids that are part of that program to have clean water on a regular basis now, which they weren't getting through their water system there. But in a crisis, we enabled them to take care of three to 5,000 people. So that's within one community, and, and that alone is going to alleviate a lot of stress and a lot of lines.
1: And there's a lot of lingering PTSD as we reported. Previous. I'm one of those PTSD characters. For, for the post-hurricane? Yeah. 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 Wow. So, funny. you know, it, it,
0: that's something where, you know, you're in a situation and you're speaking about it. And, you, you know, for me, depending upon the situation, I know where I, it's like, all right, I got to cut the conversation now because it's about to get really emotional. And so, um, you know, I deal with that. But I'm also, I'm, you know, the thing about PTSD, in whatever form it is, talking about it is part of uh, dealing with it
1: and living with it. So it's cool. Crazy legs. Thank you, bro. Tell you, man, we had a lot yes. of ground to cover, man. Looking yes. forward to. It. We'll have you back uh, as, we get, as the Olympics take shape, and also your other. Yeah, athletes. yeah. Hopefully, they'll have me involved. I'm your host, <laughs> David Ushery. Thanks to our producers and editors, Jesse Edwards, Liam McPain, and Ben Berkowitz from the NBC New York Digital Team. We'll see you next time on the Deep.